Hi, friends. Happy 2017. Welcome to our first episode of our third season of the That Sounds Fun podcast. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs, and I am so, so glad to be here and glad to see you here. I hope you had a great Christmas and a really, really fun new year. We are kicking off a new season of the show with lots of fun interviews coming. And and what's on all of our minds, I think, right now is the election and the inauguration and the end of President Obama's time as our president and the start of President-elect Trump's time and where things have been and where things are going and what happens now. And it's hard to find a trusted voice for me in politics, but luckily in the last couple of years, I have gotten to be friends with Michael Ware and his wife, Melissa. Michael and Melissa, I met through Gabe and Rebecca Lyons through the Q conference, and they are just super fun, fun to be around, wonderful people. And he is way into politics. He's like the guy to listen to, if you ask me. His Twitter, his Instagram, his Facebook, all of it is just really leads you towards some good information, good articles to read, and a lot of really good wisdom from a faith-based man in the world of politics. He worked for President Obama in his first term in office and now works um, doing more faith and culture and politics kinds of things. So Michael has a new book coming out actually this week called Reclaiming Hope. And it is really an excellent read. And I think you're going to really enjoy it. And also, I just kind of wanted to sit down and talk to Michael about like what politics looks like and how does faith meet that? And how did he get in this spot where President Obama asked him to help run the faith initiatives through the White House. And the answer is really, really interesting that I actually had never known. I think it is something that we can all kind of think through in our own lives of how you end up where you are. So here is my interview with our good friend, Mr. Michael Ware. All right, Michael, thank you for being on the That Sounds Fun podcast with what me today. fun. It's the perfect name for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so. I hope you still feel that way at the end. Um, you know, Michael, one of the rules about the That Sounds Fun podcast is it it's only my friends who can be on this podcast. So a year and a half ago, I wouldn't have been able to have you, but thanks. In about a year yeah, and a half, that, that, that all right? That's all right. But thanks to our mutual friend, Gabe Lyons. Now we are great friends, and you're one of my very favorite people, you and your wife, Melissa. So let's talk about how you're connected to Gabe. Yeah, wow. So uh, I've known Gabe for uh, almost a decade now. I I got to know Gabe just when I started kind of working in politics, and uh, Gabe was obviously doing some incredible work through through Q and uh, for those who don't know kind of kind of Q does really important work facilitating conversations that the church needs to have and and bringing issues to the fore and and so uh, I, I got to know Gabe a little bit um uh and Gabe came to the White House uh, uh, quite a few times and we worked on, on meetings and initiatives together. And then when I left government, um, I was able to invest a bit more, uh, time with, with Q and I've been going to the conference for years. And so, yeah, Gabe, Gabe and Rebecca Lyons are, um, very dear friends. Oh, to me as well. I absolutely love them. Um, and so a couple of years ago, you and I both got invited to 
Gabe and Rebecca's home and y'all rolled up. And I mean, how, I mean, it was probably like two minutes and I was like, okay, Michael and Lester are stuck with me. I love them. This is easy and real and they're so funny. So, and you've been stuck with me ever since, pal. Sorry about that. If only I, I'd have known. Right. If only you could look back and do this differently. <laughs> what was I distance. getting myself um, into? <laughs> It's right, what I'm saying. Um, how did you get into politics in the first place? Yeah, well, I mean, so I was interested in politics. My um, my grandfather was like greatest generation. World War II came back and was mm-hmm. uh, pretty civically involved. Um, and so those kinds of commitments and values were just a part of my my upbringing. Um, and um, had had an early interest in civil rights issues, and so that was just all kind of. When you say early, what do you mean, like high school or like college? Like when did you really start thinking? Pretty early. I have a probably, spot where I could do something. Yeah, I mean, so probably um, in terms of really thinking about issues, probably around eleven, twelve, kind of middle school, oh, kind of kind of time. I mean, obviously, I wasn't. Um, you, you, you know, like it, it grew as I as I got got older and was able to read more and 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 do more. But but I, my my interest in politics was started pretty pretty young. That is crazy. So like at eleven, you were like reading the <laughs> the New York Times and like <laughs> like keeping up with election. Uh, I, I was at eleven. Michael? I was a lot of fun. I was a lot of fun, Annie Downs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I was 11, I guess I was reading, I was reading a lot of books. So I guess we were kind of in our um, sweet spots a little bit you, early, you could, but that's amazing. We could have hung out, watched C-SPAN. <laughs> <laughs> We'd have been kids who ate lunch in the library every day because we were hanging out, but really we were reading our watching books. The, watching the things. latest speech. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my yeah, gosh, that's so amazing. Was a real, real blast. <laughs> and how old were you and you and Melissa met? Um, wow. So, um, Melissa and I probably met. Uh, I was probably about thirteen. We started dating when I was sixteen, and and yeah. So, so Melissa and I are high school sweethearts, but we knew each other in in middle school. You just kind of made all the big choices in middle school. Yeah, Michael. that's right. <laughs> I've pretty much you just went ahead and knocked them Annie, out. I've pretty much been coasting since I was twelve. That was uh, I just yeah, right. I just figured I'll just put in like a couple of good years of work and like plan yeah. stuff out, and then I'll just follow and then just ride yeah, it. Just ride yeah, it. Yeah, and then you just ride it yeah. out. That's impressive. You're a full two decades ahead of me of figuring out life, and I have a lot to learn. That is amazing. Okay, sorry, you're about to say something about Melissa and I. Oh no, no, no. Yeah, so 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 yeah, so Melissa and I have known each other for uh, a long time high school sweethearts knew each other in middle school and um, and then we you know we dated before um, before I went to college and and so so basically the the story is I went to uh, uh, George Washington University in DC because I knew that I wanted to figure out um, what it meant to be faithful in public things and sort of what it meant for for faith and politics to be involved with one another. In my first year at George Washington University, I um I th- this is crazy, but um I was supposed to be leading a 
leading students to a uh, like a political convention at this hotel, and Annie, I had the wrong date for the convention, and so I show up, <laughs> I show up to this hotel, and it's it's like basically empty, and I'm thinking like I, I'd never been to a political convention before, so I'm like, oh, I'll like open up a door and like. <laughs> You know, the conventional yeah. be there. But I finally give up, ask a receptionist, you know, uh, like, like, where is this thing? And she, and she goes, oh, honey, that isn't for another couple days. <laughs> and oh my and I'm leaving the hotel feeling dejected and embarrassed. Um, and then Senator Obama is walking through the hotel lobby towards me um, because he has meetings the day or two before the convention. And so... Um, uh, we met, um, I, I told him I wanted to work for him. And, uh, eight months later, um, I was in Iowa, um, uh, for his presidential campaign. That is unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, um, you know, it, it's not, I did not know that story, Michael, that you were in the wrong spot and it was the right spot. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like not something, I mean, other than, you know, having a prophecy when I was in middle school that this was going to happen. It's not something, it's not something I could have planned. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, um, you, you know, the, it, it was just, um, you know, so like the opportunity happens, but like in the, in that eight month time between meeting him, getting a couple emails of, of, uh, of his staff, you know, so I was, uh, persistent in uh, following up and uh, letting them know I was available and, sure. and trying to get prepared if the opportunity came. And so it's like, like the opportunity is like, you could never plan for that, but it's like, what do you do? Uh, what, what do you do when you get an opening, you know? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. What do you do when you're in the wrong spot and it's the right spot? <laughs> right. Yeah, for <laughs> and sure. You see this moment. That's incredible. Yeah, so, th so that's kind of how it started, yeah. In your life, has, does that happen a lot where you just kind of end up in a spot and you go, okay, so this is where I am, whether it's where I thought I'd be or not, what do I do now? Is that a theme? Well, so um, typically in my life, and, and we've talked about this a little bit, but when I was younger... Um, and, and I don't talk about this often, but, but this is the, that sounds fun podcast and, and right. you're my friend. Right. And so we're just, um, but Annie, you know, you know that I, I'm not a very good singer, but I sing a lot. Um, oh, yeah. and, and, uh, I used to run across celebrities and singers all of the time. And so I've, I've, I, I've sung to like five or six different, like 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 singers that people would know like so uh -huh. do you remember um <laughs> do you remember blue cantrell <laughs> oh yeah blue cantrell kelly price donald jones and then the craziest thing is i used to sing on my local radio station what um and uh i, I used to I used to be known, I, I loved Drew Hill. Uh, Drew Hill was yeah, like a yeah. 90s R&B group. And th they used to call me the Cisco Kid on like the top 40 pop station. Uh, so this is not stuff that I, I usually talk about, Annie. And, and now that I've talked about it here, it's going to follow me around. But oh, yeah, I mean, maybe. But, but so, so that is like where um, t typically being sort of, 
at the right place or being at the wrong place at the right time. That's that's typically uh-huh. where it's where it's played in. Um, meeting Barack Obama <laughs> was the first time it happened in 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 politics. Yeah, the rest of the time it was in your performance career as a singer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're going to talk about that. Don't worry. Oh, we no. are going to talk about your singing life because it is on Snapchat. It blows my mind. We're just going to go there now. It just blows my mind because we've been friends and I didn't know. I mean, I knew you like singing, but then you like belt out these ballads like Frank Sinatra. And then you're like, and by the way, I've worked at the White House. It's fine. It's fine. I'm just all the things. I'm all the things. It's, um, do you ever, will you ever do an album? Do you want to like no. really do a thing? You could, no. Michael. Well, here would be, I would love to do like the hook on like an R&B song. Um, okay. Propaganda is a buddy of mine. If he ever yeah. called me up and was like, hey, chorus, that's right up your alley. Right. Um, great hook for you. Uh, but but so basically I am I am good enough as a singer that uh, like 20 seconds and you're like, oh, he's he's OK. If I go for a minute, you're like, OK, turn the station. Let's no, that- <laughs> so, so snap Snapchat is perfect. It's the perfect. Place. You're going to be the most perfect. famous Snapchat crooner in the that's, world. That's right. And we're, we're heading there anyways with. Folks' attention spans. Uh, right. I, I think ten-second songs is is about all people are going to be able to stand soon enough. So, so that's may, interesting. Maybe a future. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think you're right that we are going to get shorter songs, but I do think you could be like an American Idol contender, and it would shock the world. Like this guy <laughs> used to work at the White. Well, I guess American Idol doesn't exist anymore, but if it did, I'd put you on it, Michael Ware. <laughs> well, the, the the time has passed for me, Annie Downs. I'm I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. Um, okay, so speaking of time passing, here's another thing I'd love for you to talk about. So you worked in the White House for the for Obama, President Obama's first term. Is that right? Yeah, and so um, so I was doing uh, faith outreach almost right from the start, and when the president took office. Um, he decided to continue um, the White House Office of Faith-Based and Neighborhood Partnerships. And so, and had President uh, Bush begun that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So President Bush started that. Um, and so, so that's where I worked for three and a half years, uh, did a number of things, but primarily um, my job was making sure that um, religious folks had a seat at the table um, in policy and outreach conversations. Um, I worked on uh, issues like adoption and mm-hmm. uh, anti-human trafficking efforts. Um, and then just the faith-based office is this really cool institution um, that's a part of the White House, um, part of the federal government, um, that makes sure and builds partnerships between the government and uh, faith-based groups and nonprofits on the ground that are just serving folks in need. And so... That's cool. Um, so and were you so, kind of the Christian yeah. representative? Because I assume it's not just our faith. It's all faiths. Yeah, so I, I worked with, with all faiths. Um, there, there was um, the way a lot of the outreach worked was I worked a lot with, with evangelicals. Um, but I, I, I worked with, and the office worked with everybody, Buddhist, Sikh, uh, 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 Muslim, Jewish, um, uh, the office works with secular, smaller nonprofits as well. So, um, so it's, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty big office and, and mission in terms of its, 
its scope, but um, it, it was it was an incredible experience because you just get to see uh, th the good work that people of faith yeah. are doing every day in this country, um, and to be able to you know help resource that. Um, and find new new opportunities. Um, you, you know, I'll, I'll just never forget it. Is there one nonprofit that stood out to you, or one experience where you're like, "This is why I do this job"? You know, there are really so. It just so happened many, every day, and, and some of them are just like, you know, there's this place in New Jersey um, called Interfaith Furnishings, and they um, help supply people who need like stuff for their home, say they lost their home and had to move somewhere and don't have the money mm -hmm. to buy, buy a couch or buy, you know, stuff for their, um, they'll, they'll supply. And it's, it's, it's a relatively small nonprofit, but the people they serve, um, he, you know, they mean everything to them. Yeah. And, then, and then you go bigger and I got to work very closely with, um, with International Justice Mission, um, who I know you're you're familiar with, yeah. and many of your leaders will be, and uh, to see an organization with such a strong grounding in faith that operates at such a um, such a sector setting way. I mean, they are they are just the model, um, not just for faith based groups, but they are just the model for combating human trafficking mm. i can't say enough about gary and, and his leadership so yeah. so but but yeah and then it's just you know like right, folks on the ground who even aren't affiliated with organizations or just volunteer um and and our paths um you know crossed every day was was an opportunity to be inspired by um by the good good people yeah. we're doing I mean that has to be one of the best offices in the White House. It, it's it's a it's a pretty good one to to be sure. I mean the the, the statisticians in the Office of Management and Budget they um, yeah. I don't I don't think they I think they only get to see sunlight like a half hour a day right. and <laughs> they, they got their models and <laughs> so yeah yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, right. I'm feeling feeling pretty good and about you're the like look at all the college. people doing good things across our country that's right and and, and they're like you know reciting pie. Right. <laughs> all the way out. Literally. That's right. All the way. All the way. As far as they can go. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> That's awesome. And so so then you just got back actually from Obama's farewell speech. Yeah. Yeah. How was so it? Is that back. like emotion? I mean, because when you left the White House, was it were you glad to leave? Were you sad to leave? Or both? Or it was such a mix of feelings. I mean, I was um so I I left the White House to do the campaign and then I did the inaugural and then uh, and, and then I just uh, I, I didn't go back. So so I uh, so the inaugural, the president's second inaugural, was my last sort of job uh, mm -hmm. in, in that world, and um, it, it was a mix of feelings. I, I was a little like burned out working sure. four years in the White House is an, an eternity. Not too many people make it. But I'll tell you, being M Melissa and I, my wife, we get on the flight tomorrow. Uh, or, I'm sorry, we get, we got on the flight yesterday to go to Chicago, um, and it's like 90% former colleagues. And oh wow! Walk through the event and walk through security, and it's like uh, every like a face, reunion. Yeah, it, it was like a reunion, and you know every face you saw um, was not just 
oh, like, uh, you know, a memory of a joke or a memory of, you know, a time, you know, you you had dinner together or whatever. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, like th- that person, I was with that person when, you know, when we passed this piece of legislation. Oh, I was with that person. Sure. Um, I was with that person when this tragedy happened that mm-hmm. that we had to respond to because it was our jobs, you know. Um, and so so it was it was a really um I, I mean, you know me, Annie. I'm I'm generally a pretty sentimental, uh, nostalgic kind of person, and so mm-hmm. uh, the farewell speech was kind of all of that. To uh, it really brought out those those aspects of my my sure. personality. <laughs> sure, <laughs> me too. I think it's one of the things we love about each other, Michael's. We're both very sentimental. I'm like this piece of paper was oh, from. Yeah. Blah, blah. Oh, I just save all the things. I yeah, uh, everything matters to me. But it also makes yeah. for a really fun life. Nothing gets thrown out. Uh, no, that's right. We're going to be the, old people hoarders stubs. for sure. Oh, yeah. all the ticket stubs, Michael. All of them. Yeah. yeah I don't I know, know what kind of uh, situation is going to come when I'm going to need the ticket stub from Wally. But, <laughs> hey, if it happens, Annie, I, I'm your guy. I've got it. I'm there. Yeah, right. <laughs> if, you ever, if you ever need an alibi that you were at Wally in like 2009. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, this is the good stuff we need to know. That's the stuff I need to know, Michael. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Michael, tell me um, something that a normal person like an Annie F. Downs would not know about the White House. Because you're my only friend who's ever worked there, so I need you to give me the scoop. Like, is the food good? Is the carpet always vacuumed like it looks like it is? Like, did you ever sneak around? So, right. So, I am always surprised uh, by how frequently the question comes up. Is it like the West Wing or like yeah. Scandal? Uh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> is the exact dichotomy I want you to work under for me. That, that's exact, and those are the only two options. Those right, are, and House um, of Cards. Yeah, and House of Cards. Uh, and it's like, um, you, you know, the, the West Wing is um, not like an ornate, um, ornate kind of showy kind of kind of space. Actually, like much of it looks kind of like a like a nicely carpeted basement. Um, (laughs) now, now obviously you get to the oval office and, uh, the, the, the Roosevelt room and, and that's, that's a bit of a different deal. But when you're walking through kind of the offices of the West wing, uh, it's, it's kind it's just kind of a normal workspace and people, um, they don't talk as fast as they do on the West wing. They aren't as funny. Um, but they're all super smart. They're all, really there for the right uh, reasons um and it's an incredible uh, place to work because there's just like a surprise around every corner one day i'm at the uh so the the navy runs um the 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 white house um kind of the west wing mess hall or or the the you know the food the the catering um and i'm i'm ordering something and I turn around and I almost step on Bo, the president's dog, who <laughs> who was like just like walking around. And right. I'm like, that is not where I like. I do not need to be assaulting the president's dog right. uh, in the middle of my <laughs> in the middle of my workday. So the White House was just like an amazing place where you turn around and be like, oh, like Miss America is is, mm, is here today, right. and you know the 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 um you know that head of state from from Greece, um and, and uh and then you know like a kid scientist that the president saw and thought was cool, so wanted to 
allow the kid to drop by for a photo. It's right. just, um, it's amazing to see sort of all of America and really much of the world come through what is, you know, a relatively, you know, small, uh, concentrated, you know, area. Right. Okay. Is the food good that the Navy runs for you? Yeah, they do a great job. They, yeah. they really do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So where did you, did you ever, surely, Michael, th- there were times where there was a door and you were like, I, I don't know what's on the other side, but I'm just going to open it. Like, were there ever times <laughs> like that where you're like, I really want to know what happens there. And so you well, tried so to open a door or sneak through or? Not, not. You're you a better know, person there, there, are, there really aren't many. I mean, right. So the places where I couldn't go, uh, you wouldn't even dream of going there. You, you know, like. Oh, like, like, be like, like don't even mess kind of stuff. Right. Like, oh, like the president's residence. Like, like, <laughs> I, what the heck am I going to do if the, right. if the president like walks into his living room and I'm like, oh, I just want to check it out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know I just so like, what the, it looked like. Yeah. He never invited you up. I know it's a it's a real shame. That Uh, is a shame, Michael. If I'm ever president, you're totally invited to come hang out in the in the like normal places, like in our residence. You can come have dinner. You and Melissa can come have dinner. Don't worry, don't worry. Well, I I know that I know the I know the next campaign I'm working on, Andy. (laughs) Yeah, I'm gonna pull you out of the faith area and just run my campaign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so very early on, I was um. We had we were running an event, and I was on. We all had blackberries at the time. It was like mm-hmm. two thousand nine, um, uh, and I love how that's that, that's like an appropriate way to date stuff. Right? But yeah, so <laughs> right. it's, two, it's it's way back in you know two out nine, and right. I'm on my black I'm on my blackberry any downs and. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I'm a BlackBerry, and we were having trouble getting someone in or something. So I'm I'm furiously kind of checking emails and that kind of thing. And I don't even realize I I don't know where I'm walking. Like like where I'm going is not really the important uh, <laughs> the important thing. The thing uh-huh. is I'm just kind of walking around the West Wing on my BlackBerry until I realized I, I had walked past the Oval Office, and I. I went to turn a corner, um, and I look up, and the president is there talking with one of his senior advisors, and I realize I have walked right into the president's personal study that, like, no one... <laughs> so, and no one stopped you, Michael. They trust well, you. Oh, yeah. So so there's this moment where I look up from my BlackBerry, already, like, my blood pressure is high because of the event, and I look up, and the, the president is, like, mid-conversation. He's, like, leaning up against his desk. And, you know, we, we have that moment where I look at him, he looks at me, and I'm just like, I'm, I'm going to get out of here now. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, you just like turned around and walked away and didn't oh, even talk about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was very clear that I did not intend to be there, that, that he, he certainly <laughs> was not expecting oh, me. <laughs> it's hilarious. But, uh, but, but yeah, so I, I learned to, uh, I learned to walk elsewhere when I'm, when I'm buried in my Blackberry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You made a new path instead of ending up in the president's personal <laughs> that's, study. That's right. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Um, okay. So now you've written a book that came out actually this week. Cause this comes out yeah. on your book came out the 17th. Yeah, yeah, yes. it comes out the seventeenth. Yeah. Okay, so and your book is about that first four years in the White House. Yeah, yeah, pr- pretty much. So it's it's uh, it, it's about my time in the White House, but more broadly, it's it's about the lessons that we can. So the book is called Reclaiming Hope, 
the subtitle is Lessons Learned in the Obama White House about the future of faith in America. Mm-hmm. And, and I wrote That's the such book. a strong subtitle, by the way. I love it. Well, it, it says, you know, I, I wrote the book not to uh, sort of reminisce or look sure. backwards. But I, I did write the book because I, th- I think that we have to learn the lessons of the story of faith in our politics over the mm-hmm. last eight years if we're gonna um, if we're gonna navigate the next four years, the next decade well. And there mm-hmm. are quite a few lessons to learn. Um, and so and so yeah. So that's that's the book. It's it's kind of a, an argument through through personal narrative. I, I walk people through the White House, but also you know. The, the president's rise and uh, and, and both of his campaigns and some of the some of the the ups and the downs some of the controversies some some of the successes and then I try to bring people to the point where they uh, feel like they know what happened from someone who saw it all up close who was right there yeah who was right there um, and the question is like the question I always get is like are you are you cynical now? You know, like, yeah. are you? And That's Annie, what I was going to ask you. You stole it from me. Yeah. Well, uh, it, it's 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 like a common question because you always hear about folks, you know, kind of going in idealists, and then they mm-hmm. see how the sausage gets made. Yeah. And, um, and sentimental I, people like us don't like that. We don't like when that happens. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, and and so I, I, you know, as suggested by the title, you know, I, I close the book with a message about hope. You know, what is real hope? And 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 how how will real hope help us um, help us ground our politics and and really ground our lives in a in a healthier way moving forward? So yeah, do so, you yeah, see so a about- real strong role of people of faith in politics, like like an Annie who's like I'm probably not going to be president. I mean, I might if you run my campaign really well, but you know, I'm like probably not going to be the president. But do I have a role as a faith person in politics? Yes, yes, you do. You have a role. You have a role. You know, first as right, all Americans have a role in politics because sure. they're citizens. And uh, the president actually spoke last night about about the, the role of the citizen. But for for Christians, uh, we have um, an obligation that extends from our call to love God and love our neighbor. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so. Uh, right in the book, you know, there's that passage in uh, Jeremiah 29 where um, yeah, the exiles find themselves in Babylon, which was not a comfortable place, right? Like, like the the uh, they, they were probably not winning too many elections. They they weren't like the favorite people in Babylon at the right, time. Right. Like they 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 were not winning the popular vo- vote or the electoral vote, yeah. um, and yet the message from uh, the message from God was still to uh, seek the welfare of the city in which you've been planted, um, and th- and that's what we're supposed to do here. in politics is a is a um, is is an essential way of doing that. It's an essential way of loving our neighbor because if if we're absent from politics, then all of the decisions that happen in politics absent us um, that that sends a message that that we we really don't care. And so yeah. so yeah, every it, it's. Um, that doesn't mean it's got to, uh, uh, you got to lay up at night thinking about it. It doesn't mean that you need to quit your job and, uh, and go knocking on doors. But, but yeah, we, we all have a role to play, um, uh, when, when, when it comes to politics. So what would that look like? Well, well, let me ask you a question. Let me tell you something that just happened to me, Michael. I was just <laughs> telling someone last week how I voted. 
And yeah. they said, it sounds to me like you voted to make yourself feel good, not to actually make a difference in your country. I- implying that my vote, that, that my deciding to vote was more about saying Annie votes than actually putting a vote in that would impact one way or the other. Mm. I just thought that was really interesting because I don't know that I've ever processed that I would vote for my own well, I'm also a Enneagram 7, so you know how we are. So maybe, <laughs> you know, we think about ourselves on accident constantly. But but what do you think about that? Do you think there are times when when we're voting for ourselves and not for the common good? I would have never thought that until that was put in front of me. I mean, right. So I think I think it happens all of the time. <laughs> I mean, right? Like really? I think it's it's actually that our our politics has become increasingly about um how it makes us feel and how it sort of taps into our emotions um, more than thinking about what's good for um, our neighbor. And, you, you know, I, I write quite a bit about this in the book because I'm, I'm concerned about it. Um, I'm concerned about what happens when politics takes up um, emotional space in our lives that it's not meant to take up. Mm, that's um, interesting. And so, you know, give me examples of that. Kind of tell me what you mean by that. Yeah. I mean, right. So it's, uh, I'm working on an, on an article that sort of makes the idea clear. Obviously it's like difficult because, because as soon as you start talking about, as soon as you start talking about this, then you're hitting, uh, you're sort of touching on people in, in their personal uh, places. But I mean, just to, just to give general examples, um, you know, are you voting for someone because uh, you you feel like you um, like you connect with them, or mm-hmm. that they um, you feel like they get you? Um, right. And a different way to understand it is to think about all of the things that politicians do. Um, that's just kind of strange. So, like, it's kind of strange for uh, politicians to be. Um, doing interviews with comedians, uh, and on YouTube channels. It's, it's kind of strange for, um, politicians to, um, uh, sort of be entering our living rooms, um, when, when that isn't necessarily like the best place for politics to be. Mm -hmm. C.S. Lewis writes, he says, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he talks about how uh, politics is essential because it has to do with with justice and injustice and and uh, but he says that uh, we cross a line when we consider politics to be quote unquote the food of the mind. In other oh, words, he's wow. saying yes, politics is important, but when it's when we're viewing it as entertainment, when we're viewing politics as like a primary place to uh, to get a sense of belonging, which is a major, I think, emotional need people are feeling right now. So uh, how many people that you know uh, the day after the election were just emotionally wrecked? Yeah. Uh, I mean, many, in any many direction. friends. Yeah. In, in any direction. And so... You know, th- there are there are reasons to be sad about an election. I mean, the election is going to have significant uh, impacts, but you also get the sense that it wasn't just about policy outcomes, but about people's sense of sense of belonging in this country and, and their sense that their side lost or that their side won. Mm-hmm. Um, Christians have the resources um, if they decide to tap into them. 
um, to not get wrapped up in uh, politics attempts to fulfill our emotional and spiritual needs because our spiritual needs are met elsewhere. Yes. Um, and, and that's a that's a unique contribution um, or that is a particular contribution that we can provide to our politics um, and to our to our public square moving forward. This idea that we can be other centered um, because because our, our personal needs are are met elsewhere. Um, we, we have a lot of freed up sort of energies to to devote to, to our neighbor. Right. I feel like you're the one of the only people out there I hear saying this. And, and you and I have talked about it, but I've also read articles you've written kind of alluding to like, stop asking politics to meet your emotional and spiritual needs yeah. or expecting politicians to meet your emotional and spiritual needs. Yeah. And, and I think everybody needs to hear that. <laughs> I think if we all just, I think it would, I don't think we, it means we need to change our opinions or, or yeah. not have opinions. I just think it would maybe like lower the emotion a little bit if everybody yeah. like removed some of the like, requirements they've placed on politics in their yes. hearts. Yeah. And I'll tell it's like, it's a very difficult thing. So I, I speak about it generally, um, but it's a very difficult thing. Like, like I wouldn't recommend go, going to someone you see on the street and being like, I think you're getting your emotional needs met by politics. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like that's not, that's not like a personal charge you want to level. Totally. What, it, what it's going to take is introspection from, from each of us and, mm. and folks actually deciding in their personal lives, like, um, like I don't want to feel this way. Like this isn't, this isn't healthy. It's not healthy for me. And, right. and actually when I'm involved in politics, motivated by, and by involved in politics, I'm, I mean, something as simple as getting into Twitter arguments or right. the, the, Twitter the, is the worst right now. You know, the, the, the feeds that you, uh, you know, the, the, the websites you visit that, you know, if you read a few articles on this website for 20 minutes, uh, your blood pressure is, is high for the next three hours. And, and it's like, um, it'll take introspection, uh, uh, from from individuals who who decide you know a bunch of individuals will have to decide that that isn't the way they want politics um, that isn't the way they want to engage in politics and that isn't the way they want to allow politics to use them um, yeah and, and then I think I think um, you know quite quite a bit can change I, I yes I think that you know, I am never one because I like having fun. That's kind of my thing. I'm never one to like, I've never dove into politics because I, you know, I taught public school. So I cared then I would, I cared a yeah. lot then because I felt like that was directly relating. It did re directly relate to a lot. And now it's more my choice to dig into politics and to care is more thinking like, man, I, I want my neighbors to feel cared for, you know, right. I want to feel cared for. I mean, I'm not trying to be like, yeah. You know, Mother Teresa. But I'm like, okay, I can make <laughs> votes and I can like have moments that say I'm making a choice that makes other people feel cared for. And that happens in politics. Am I right about that? Do you feel like that's true? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, th I think that's exactly right. Yeah. Where do you see your political life going? You know, I'm, are I'm, you going to really be our president, sure. Michael Ware? No, no. Uh, but if I get elected, you'll be invited to the <laughs> to the residence. <laughs> to the residence. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I better be uh, your poet laureate, man. I'll, I'll try to get profound oh. and, and awesome by then. 
Oh, I forgot that that was like a job I could offer. Uh, yeah, well, I, I didn't. Was, yeah. Don't worry, I didn't. <laughs> uh, first dibs. Yeah, so, no one else has said it, first dibs. <laughs> that's it. It's, uh, it's, it's yours. Thank um, you. Uh, you, you know, I am, I, I'm, I'm not sure we're, we're going to see, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited about, I'm excited about the book. I'm excited, you know, that it'll finally be getting in, in, in folks' hands. And, and it, I mean, you, you know, better than I do, um, you know, you, you could write a book with all the intent in the world, but, but once, once it's out there, it's up to the readers to decide yeah. what they get from it. Um, yeah, it's terrifying. Get ready, pal. <laughs> and so I'm just, I'm just excited for for folks to to read the book. I mean, it's a, it's um, it's a passion project for me. I mean, it's um, it 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 really was um, you know, the culmination or, or the the output of um of of the last you know decade of my my life so so mm. um i'm going to spend some time you know t- talking with folks about the book and kind of um uh seeing how that plays out and then we'll we'll, we'll figure out uh, you know what the path is moving forward i think that's a really undercover way to say you're running for president in the future which i love that, that i think is. it's great it just leave it i'll leave it alone i won't press yeah. you i'll just say remember me when you get there remember that i will i will really work to to start writing some things that are really nuanced and uh and important to the country so that you people be like who and you're like uh sorry she's this friend i promised in 2017 yeah, right. yeah i feel bad yeah. about it too you know and I, if i if i go back on my word now how can the american people how trust can me america yeah. trust me that's what i'm saying that's yeah. what that's what and you're recorded so the whole podcasting <laughs> world knows <laughs> um, hey, here's one other thing we've got to talk about because yeah. my my people, the two things that I keep wanting to get my podcasty people around that's happening is soccer, which I won't make you talk about, though we both do love it. Yes. Um, I mean, I may make you talk. Well, mainly Enneagram. You were so yes. good on the Road Back to You episodes. I love them. They are yeah. so such a great conversation. And um, I, I was nervous kind of jumping in because – uh, I'm not like an Enneagram expert. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like I know the numbers. If you, if you, uh, you know, talk to me a little bit about them, then I'll, right. it'll like, you know, recall, but uh, I, I couldn't sort of give a talk on the Enneagram. And so I was nervous getting in. And then, um, you know, it, it's, um, Enneagram is just a really uh, w- useful as, as one way to, to really look at, any number of, of issues. And so, um, I've really grown a lot just from thinking about how Enneagram intersects with, with politics. And then I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that. Do you, do you see them intercepting? Well, yeah. And uh, the most interesting idea to me that I've been, um, sort of been thinking about is, you know, uh, we live in a representative, um, you know, democracy and a republic based on the idea of citizenship. Um, and so that, the, the idea that, um, our country actually requires the, um, the engagement and the involvement of, of all nine numbers on the Enneagram yeah. to work properly yeah. is, is really interesting to me. And so, you know, like we we need we need the eights that are gonna um, kind of help us figure out uh, 
what what the actual arguments are and wh- and wh- what folks actually believe and what the what the polls are but if if um if we're just arguing between parties all the time mm-hmm. and we don't have you know nines uh, stepping in and saying hey like we actually are going to have to live together like after <laughs> right. all this right. um and uh so, so that's uh th- i've been thinking quite a bit about quite a bit about that and i, I think it's like a a useful exercise for those of mm-hmm. uh, those who know there any like uh, what do you know about you know your number and, and what it says about you and, and sort of how does that um, what is one sort of quality or, or productive thing that, you know that flows out of that that could contribute to um, uh, contribute to you, you know your neighbor and in, in, in our politics maybe that's your next book Michael is like Politics in the Enneagram and what each number has to contribute. Hey, uh, I, I uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see. I'm not thinking You're about it. Like, I haven't even gotten this one out yeah, yet. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm waiting to get, to get this out. one out. I don't, I don't know what, what number, uh, does not want to write another book right now, but, <laughs> but that's me. <laughs> but that's me. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's perfect. Well, I, I mean, I'm really excited about reclaiming hope. I think it is a really unique spot for, someone that is a trustworthy voice in our faith culture to talk so directly about politics. Cause it's, for me, it's hard to know who to trust when you're yeah. listening, you know? Yeah, and so I'm sure. grateful that I can trust you and that you are a voice that I feel like is really reliable in that space. And I in turn can be really reliable for you in anything you want to know about like glitter or cool. premier league soccer or like um, Nashville. So just so you know, I'm equally as reliable in some different kind of topics. So you're welcome, Michael. Well, a- Annie, I, I so appreciate you. It was, it was great being on the uh, podcast, and I'm, I'm just thankful for you and your friendship. And, uh, and, and it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay, so I have one last question, the very last thing, and then I'm done with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can live your life. Um, the last question we always ask, because the podcast is called That Sounds Fun, what we always ask is, what sounds fun to you right now? What would sound really fun to you right now? Uh, I know it's freezing outside, but um, I, I, I was just thinking today, um, like, I love water parks. and <laughs> I, I, haven't been, I did not know that about you. I do, too. I haven't been to a water park in forever. So, like, going to a water park sounds like a blast right now. Michael, we have got to water park this summer. I think they're we, so we incredibly fun. Yeah. I mean, I, I love when... Uh, like there are little surprises on like the yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah it, it, Michael they're you, just a lot you're of fun. a crooner you're a politician you're a water park enthusiast I did what else what know. else do you need Annie Downs <laughs> do you know next time you come to Nashville and it's warm we've got to go to Nashville Shores because they've got a lazy river that is really enjoyable Oh, that would be my favorite thing. Yeah, the lazy rivers are awesome. The wave pools, I'm always like, this is fun, but probably I might drown. Like, yes, I always think, right. like, this is cool, but those lifeguards aren't paying enough attention for me, yeah. for my liking. But, man, a lazy river and a few good slides, and I'm having a great time. No, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Let's let's do it. Oh, we're doing it. I'm great. not kidding. We're doing it. <laughs> if I, I I owe y'all a trip to Virginia anyway. I'm coming to stay with you guys anyway soon. So when I'll come when it's warm, we'll do a water park. Or you come down here, we'll water park. Oh, it's going to be awesome. Awesome. I can't right, wait. Send my love to Melissa. All right. Thanks, Glad Annie. to talk to you. Thanks so much, buddy. Yeah. Bye. 
Isn't he the best? Like, don't you just think he seems the, like the nicest guy? It's because he is, y'all. He is the nicest guy. He and Melissa are just dear to me. I am so grateful for his voice and for his wisdom and for the times that I text him and ask ridiculous questions about politics that I should know the answer to. And he still answers me and like I'm a grown-up who has a dumb question. So I am really, really thankful for him. Again, his new book that released this week is called Reclaiming Hope. I think you will really enjoy it. It doesn't matter where you are, whether you're a businessman, a stay-at-home mom, a working woman, a single woman, a single guy. I, I don't care where you are. I think if you want to read about where faith and politics can meet for the good of our country and our world, I would say that Reclaiming Hope and Michael Ware is the voice you should be listening to. So I am thankful that he was on the podcast today and I really enjoyed it. Great way to kick off 2017, if you ask me. I'm so glad you joined us. Hey, by the way, in the background is our friend Ellie Holcomb. Her new album, Red Dirt Road, comes out really soon. You can pre-order it now. I'm going to tell you the truth. I already have it. Uh, It's a spoiler, I know. But she gave me a copy and it's unbelievable. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable. It is going to mess with you in all the right ways. It's beautiful. So go ahead and pre-order her new album, Red Dirt Road. I think you will just really, really enjoy it. Hey, if you enjoyed this podcast today with Michael Ware, one of them that you may want to pop back and listen to is with Scott Sauls a couple of episodes ago, part of our second season of the show. I think they go hand in hand really well because Scott also is really um, concerned and and into the world of faith and culture and where they meet. So that episode is a couple of episodes back, and I think you'd really enjoy it if you like this conversation with Michael Ware. If you get a chance and you can leave a review or rate the podcast over on iTunes, that would be really awesome. It kind of helps people who aren't already friends with us figure out what it's like to hang out with us, and I would really appreciate it. If you need to find me, I'm embarrassingly easy to find on the internet. It's Annie F. Downs everywhere, F as in fancy, and that is how you find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, any bit of social media, email, website, AnnieFDowns.com. So thanks for joining us. I am so, so glad you were here. Welcome to a new year. My hope and prayer for you this year is that it is more than you could ask or imagine and that you will see God's kindness constantly. And so that is what I'm hoping for you. So welcome to 2017. Thanks for listening. Go out there and do something really fun today. Something that sounds fun to you. I'm going to do the same and I will see you soon. Mm -hmm.